first recollection of that I have of, of, of music is uh, modern music stuff you know pop stuff was was me riding in the car with my mom she used to have a Nova but then she got this convertible 68 GTO and uh, I remember driving around the top down and she would always listen to the current contemporary commercial rock commercial pop radio stuff but before that there was a um, it was some much more jazzy stuff because my parents, when they would go out, as people used to do back then, you, if you were going to go to a party or go to another couple's house, you'd grab your albums underneath your arm that you wanted to maybe play at the at the party. These album covers and, and the artwork that was on them and some of the Herb, Herb Albert stuff was kind of racy. There was a girl with whipped cream all over herself. She was you know, naked. Uh, Ramsey Lewis, live at the Bohemian Caverns, was. Uh, was was a big one, and uh, my dad used to love that record. And, and he, there was a, a bass, a stand-up bass solo in it, where the you could hear the guy go, "Jah, motherfucker!" And he, and it was like really kind of real street kind of thing, and it was really cool. But then driving with my mom in the car, I started to listen to more uh, modern pop stuff, um, and the. Faces stuff or the early '60s pop stuff, uh, all all that stuff from way back then, it, and uh, it got me to like commercial pop music. That became my favorite kind of thing. And I remembered when I started singing uh, when I was about 17. There was a real mood in in pop and rock music that that wasn't a cool thing to do. Uh, you really got. Uh, criticized if you had a song that was really popular because they call you a sellout because you weren't doing something arty you're doing something popular and I always thought that was really odd because um, art is supposed to communicate and if you're communicating to a lot of people that means what you're saying is reachable which is the whole point of art so I never understood critics and I always didn't like critics because they made their living criticizing other people's work and passion and love and art. I thought that's bullshit. Still to this day, I'm kind of like that. Everyone is allowed to have an opinion, but to have a job where that's what you do is you you critique other people in that way is kind of a bummer for me. But but that when I finally started singing, I, I, I accidentally got into singing. I met a, a friend of mine uh, who had a band, and um, our, our families were friends, and we, we went to the beach once, and he always had his guitar with him, his acoustic guitar. We're on the beach, and he goes, well, why, don't you, why don't you sing a song with me? So I did, and uh, and then he said, uh, why don't you uh, come sing with my band? Because he had, he had a band already doing originals and, and covered tunes, and they played at recreation centers and junior high school dances and things like that. So I, I went and uh, sang with him, and within a very short time, a couple of months, I was the singer of this band. And um, just that's where all I just started gaining all the real knowledge. All those combat type of gigs where everything is bad and nothing sounds good and monitors are a joke and uh, mixing the PA from a Tapco mixer on on the stage. Uh, I had a little six channel thing and that's how I would mix my voice out front and uh, it was just just all that stuff. We once played a show at a, at a military base, an officers club. And we were rock and roller guys, and uh, we played top 40 music. So they used to call it all the, the hits of the day. Well, 
this party thought they were hiring a band that played music from the 40s. And so we had to play like roll out the barrel, you know, for 10 minutes at a time. And, uh, but you get you gain experience of how to handle a crowd, how to get past obstacles, how nothing can stop the show. The show must go on. And that's always been something that's been carried through for me. Uh, then uh, made my first record as a 45 in Manhattan Beach. Uh, did a ballad and, uh, and, uh, and kind of a, I think it was a cover song for, that, for the first band I was in. And um, that was an interesting experience. And then uh, I, was, I was doing cover bands, making a living. Uh, moved out of my, my dad's place, was making a living. And then um, I, 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 I think I answered an ad someone was looking for a singer in Music Connection magazine in LA and I met this guy he met these two other guys Robert and Tony Cavasso and they were trying to put together this thing and so we started writing and uh, then we got Jay Shell in the band and that's where it really became Hurricane and uh, uh, we were all working jobs all rehearsing all week long burned candle at both ends had a little bit of management people who were helping us out got to make a demo, someone invested some money, uh, we got turned down by every label, every label, and then we decided to, this this wife of the, one of the owners of this small label heard about us and told her husband, you've got to go see these guys, and so, so he did, and we got a, a distribution deal. Basically, um, you know, we had to finish a demo that we mixed as a, a master, added a couple of songs with Max Norman. And um, we put out this uh, EP, and that became the beginning of Hurricane. We ended up having three records and touring the country, going to Japan, and doing you know shows with Iron Maiden and Striper and Gary Moore, and just on and on. And that was a real great learning uh, experience for me. And that's where I worked in the studio with with uh, Mike Klink and Bob Ezrin, and, and uh, uh, you know really knowledgeable people. I would, I would stay in the studio for everybody's parts. So I just wanted to learn everything there was about how to mic up a drum kit or how to uh, you know, mix a guitar or how to mix a, mix a song or how to use compression. I learned all that from these guys. You know, when Hurricane um, was over, it wasn't the band split up, it's just that the label went bankrupt. And um, we tried to make a living for about six months selling our gear and Grunge was coming in and no one wanted to hear metal music anymore. So I realized I was going to have to take a break from doing that as a rock singer kind of guy. I wasn't going to change and become a grunge singer. So I said, well, it's, I knew this was going to be a cycle and I was going to come back around again, but I was going to have to do something else. So I started writing and engineering, producing artists, developing artists, um, doing that kind of thing, doing everything else in the business besides being a lead singer live. Fast forward, that becomes a, a lot of work for diminishing returns because technology is making it so everyone can make a record in their bedroom. So then labels are offering less and less money to make records. Uh, so then you're working really hard, doing a bunch of projects, making less and less money. And I thought to myself one day, I said, you know, I didn't get called for a gig that I thought I should have been called for and no one even, I didn't even know about it. And I thought, that's weird, because gigs had always just fallen in my lap. So I, I realized that I needed to take a look at what I was doing differently. Now I'm gonna have to be proactive about my career. And I finally, I said to myself, I need to get back to what I do best, which is singing. 
lead singing. So I started uh, looking on the internet, saw about a charity show that Mick had done in Santa Barbara, uh, and uh, thought it might be a new Mick Jones project. I didn't know what was going on with Foreigner. I wasn't, you know, keeping tabs on what Foreigner was doing, and this was 2004. But I, I knew people, so got in touch with management. Unbeknownst to me, I found out later they were kind of starting up the gears again of uh, Foreigner, trying to kind of reform or get this band going again. And, and that's a big project when they've been dormant for two or three years. So, uh, but eventually I got to uh, rehearse with the band and we played for about an hour and a half. That was with Jason Bonham playing drums and uh, and you know some of the guys from back in the 90s, Tom Gimbal and and, um, and I remember I got home at 6 p.m. and uh, they, they called me an hour later. I found out later that during that hour they were having a discussion calling mutual friends saying is this guy a cool guy, is he a good singer, is he a drug addict, is he a loser, what, what, you know, all this stuff. And then they called me and they said um, we're booking shows for this weekend, can you start rehearsing tomorrow? So I had five days to learn the show but but a rehearsal day for hurricane was an eight-hour day rehearsal day for foreigner is show up at noon and go oh well, let's have lunch and then rehearse for a couple hours and go well that's about it so <laughs> so it was really kind of a a, a new a full throwback into 100 miles an hour after not being on the road for 14 years and it just took off like a rocket and it hasn't stopped since. And it's just it's just really mind blowing to me.